Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. To me, the biggest thing, the biggest way a CPA can differentiate themselves is to be a good communicator and respond timely to people. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest this week, quote unquote, CPA on fire, Josh Bowerly. Josh owns a very unique practice, actually up in Ohio, but services clients remotely across the nation. I mentioned this in the beginning, but I first became aware of Josh through my own podcast research, and I was intrigued by how he's been able to arrange several business-related interviews, or basically PR events, and overall just how he's been able to brand himself and establish a niche. Branding can be a very difficult thing in accounting, but he's done a tremendous job of establishing himself in the e-commerce space in particular. If you have your own firm now or have ever thought of starting something, either part-time or full-time, I think this episode is going to be very valuable for you. Let's go ahead and get started. Here's Josh Bowerly of CPA On Fire. Well, hello, Josh. Thank you for taking the time out for this. I know the summertime can sort of be tricky because for a lot of firms, it's sort of catch-up season. So thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Well, for our audience, I wanted to invite Josh on the show because in my own sort of pre-podcast days when I was doing research, I came across Josh and his firm through another podcast. Josh handles the income report for a very popular podcaster, John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. After I heard a few of those income report episodes, I was really intrigued with how Josh had positioned his own personal branding. And so I figured he'd be a great guest to bring on the show in order to provide some insight into that, particularly for those individuals that are you know, currently self-employed or thinking about becoming self-employed, either full-time or part-time. Josh, I definitely want to get into all of that and, and where your business is now. But first, if you don't mind, I want to give everyone an idea of where you came from, so to speak. So how did you even decide to pursue accounting in the first place? What led you to that choice? Yeah, I guess it's kind of random. I was in college and I was an average student at best. I think at the time I was like a criminal justice major. Really no clue what I was going to do with that. I think I sometimes told people I was going to go to law school, but really knew that that was never happening. And my dad invested a lot in real estate and I just happened to read one of his real estate investment books. And there was a lot in there about numbers and a lot of the accounting stuff. It really interested me. So the next semester at college, I took an accounting class and it was supposed to be a really difficult accounting class. And the first test, I remember everyone was 
saying how horrible it was. And I, out of like 300 people in the class, I was one of like four or five that had gotten an A on it, which is odd for me because I was not good at school for the most part. And the accounting pre- professor came around. And he said, what's your major? And I said, criminal justice. He said, not anymore. It's accounting. So he kind of talked me into switching my major to accounting. I think that was like my junior year in college. So I was pretty far along at that point. But right then and there, I switched my major to accounting and really enjoyed the classes and did significantly better in those classes than I, than I had ever done in, in school before. And yeah, I finished my major in accounting and, and right after school went and worked in, in the accounting department for a Fortune 500 company in, in Ohio and then just went to various places from there. I did some public accounting, I did some financial advising and then started my own firm. Okay. How long was it, or I guess, how long were you in the profession before you started your own firm? So yeah, I think I did uh, did cost accounting at that at the Fortune 500 company for two years, and then I was in public accounting for two years, and then I did financial advising for a year, and then I started my own firm. Okay, okay. You tried out many things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it kind of was everything I was in. It, it would kind of seem like, well, this this isn't. I hate this. If I could just do public accounting, then I'd probably like my career. Then I'd start public accounting, and I didn't like that. And I said, what I really need is financial advising, and then I'll like my career. And then I didn't like that. And I finally realized it wasn't really the career that I didn't like. Is I, I didn't like working for other people. So when I started my own firm, that that kind of took care of it, and I I enjoy what I do now. I enjoy the accounting part, and I, I like working for myself. Okay. Okay. What were the steps that led you up to that decision? I guess did you? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, well, first of all, I come from a family that's kind of all entrepreneurs. My, my parents were both entrepreneurs. My grandparents were all entrepreneurs. So it was, it was kind of something that was, it was never weird to me to, to think of doing my own thing. And I always knew I, I wanted to, to have my own business someday. I never really pictured it being in accounting because when you're going to public accounting or anything, you kind of think like, well, the career track for that is 20 years in the firm and then you become partner. And that didn't interest me. And when I was in the financial advising, the guy that I worked for, he wanted to grow the practice by buying another financial advising firm. And it was really hard. He, for some reason, it was really difficult to buy other financial advising firms. And I had the idea. I said, hey, wh- what about instead of buying a financial advising firm, why don't you buy a CPA firm? And then we can kind of tap those, those clients, the tax clients for, for their financial advising needs. And he really liked that idea. So we started exploring and we, we stumbled upon a, a, a situation where an older guy was looking to get out of his practice and was willing to sell it to us. And he, right when we were about to finish, the guy I was working for kind of got cold feet on it and he backed out. And I just said, hey, I'm, I'm still going to move forward with it and I'm, I'm going to buy it. So I went and I did that. I, I, I formed a kind of a partnership with the older guy and I, I took on all his clients for him and he paid me a percentage of the revenue. I think it was like 33% of the time. So at that point I was kind of sort of my own business, but sort of working for him. But the other thing he said was, Hey, you can also use my tax software to build your own client base and you can keep all of that. So I was doing his and I was building my own and I finally get to the point where he was kind of being his, his idea of what he wanted to sell the practice for it made no sense. So we, we kind of walked away from that. And, and I, by that point I had built mine up pretty good that I could, could sustain myself when I walked away. Okay. So you sort of bought an interest in some of those clients, it sounds like. In the no, I actually, I, I didn't take any of his clients. Oh, okay. um, I just, no, I, I left, I essentially worked for him, but I was basically, he wasn't even there. I was running the whole thing and I got 33% of all the revenue from his clients, but on the side, I could also build my own client base, the new clients. So I was doing all his and building the new one. And then when I got to the point that my, my clients was enough to sustain me, I kind of broke away from him and just did my own. Okay. What, what year was that that you started working with him? 
2012, 2012, late 2012. Okay. Just so for people that are thinking about doing this, I'm curious, how, how long was it from when you started working with him until when you had enough work on your own to support yourself? It was probably two years. And when I stopped working for him, I probably wasn't quite ready to, to do it on my own, but I, I kind of just took a leap of faith that, hey, if I built this much working on it part-time, I'm sure I can build it up faster if I'm dedicating all my time to it. And that, that ended up working out. Okay. Okay. I know a lot of the nervousness around that with people tends to be, you know, can I support my family kind of thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at your website. It it looks like you're married. Yeah, I'm married and I have three-year-old twin boys. And at the time I left him, they they had just been born. They were probably five or six months old. So it was definitely a risk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and I, I guess that that's one thing that's definitely served me well as in, in being an entrepreneur is I haven't been afraid to take risks. And I think that's just a necessary part is like, if, if you're going to sit there and wait until everything is perfectly lined up for you to, to take the jump, it's, it's never going to happen. Especially you're just going to say, have to say, look, this is as right as, as it's going to be. If it doesn't work out, I'm employable. I have a CPA license. Like I can, I can go work for another firm. That's, that's, that's not going to be an issue. You just got to take that leap of faith and jump, I think. Okay. <laughs> Married, twin boys, and I'm going to go out on my own. Good deal. <laughs> I have an understanding wife. <laughs> no fear. That's, yeah, an understanding wife. That makes a big difference. That's, that's sure. beautiful. Perfect. Okay. So 2012, and so it's been about five years. Good deal. Good deal. So you've, you seem to have been very successful with getting PR. I was looking at the different interviews you've done, and, and I think one of them was like a morning show, perhaps. There's a, there's a video on your website as well. What, how do you get those spots, or what, what's led you? I know how I found out about you, but I'm assuming that you know, there's history before that. How, how do you get all this PR? <laughs> you know, it, it, it really did start with Entrepreneur on Fire. As you said, they're huge podcasts. I don't know what they are ranked now, but at one time, they were one of the top five business podcasts on iTunes. And when I started doing that podcast, other people who had podcasts and listened to it would say, Hey, I heard you on Entrepreneur on Fire. Can you come on my podcast? Or I would reach out to, to podcasts directly and say, Hey, I've been on Entrepreneur on Fire and this podcast and this podcast. Can I come on your podcast and, and, and talk tax tips? So it kind of all snowballed together. But I do think it's possible, like, even if, if you don't start with something like Entrepreneur on Fire, people that run podcasts, they're always looking for guests. In my experience, there's nothing they love more than someone reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I can add value to your audience. And I'm, I don't want anything in return. I just want to come on your show and give value to your audience. If, if you can show them that you can do that, even the bigger podcasts will welcome you on their show. Podcast, obviously, there's no limit to you know, where the audience can be. You, know, you, can, you can have audience members all the way on the other side of the world. So has your practice developed with sort of a national clientele? Or it, it, would, it would appear to me that you would attract individuals from all over the place then. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't do any any local. I don't do any like local face to face clients. But it's all remote. Uh, I think we have clients in in all fifty states at this point. The majority are probably in California. There must be a big bunch of entrepreneurs in California. But yeah, they're they're all over the place. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. What are some of the challenges with that? I don't. I don't know many. I'm in South Texas, and and mm-hmm. you know many of our accounting firms, most of them work just directly face-to-face <laughs> with, with the clients. Yep. That's, that's rare down here. Any challenges or benefits that you see with that? Yeah, you know, it, it, I would say it's not just rare there. It's, it's rare everywhere. Um, and I, okay. that, that's kind of a competitive advantage we've had is there's very few other people doing it. 
for the most part, I, I haven't found any, any drawbacks to it. I mean, cause most of the clients that we work with are pretty tech savvy. So they know how to scan their documents and send them to us. They, they know how to use a computer. I suppose there could be some issues if you're going to try to move your current clients into a remote setting, because especially some of the older ones may not understand how to do that, may not be comfortable with it. But there's a ton of people out there that want this relationship with their CPA. They don't want to have to go to his office every time they have a tax question. They don't want to have to go there to get their tax returns. So they, they love, and in fact, in the beginning, we were seeing all kinds of clients. They would say that they found me by Googling the, the question, CPAs who will work over Skype, because they, their CPA wanted to either meet in person or use the phone and, and, and their online people, they wanted to use Skype and email. So it's actually been a pretty big competitive advantage for us. That's interesting. So you have a niche built around people that don't want to meet you in person. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's amazing. Okay. All right. Interesting. Do you find that most of your clients are in the tech world? Our, our clients are all online-based entrepreneurs. So it's a lot of podcasters, bloggers, a ton of e-commerce sellers. That's probably our biggest niche at the moment. Anyone who, who basically is location independent in their business, it, it, it operates entirely online. Those are the type of people we work with. Okay. Does that give you a lot more lifestyle flexibility or, or not really? I mean, you're, are you? No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I still spend in the hours obviously, but I, I'm, I'm pretty open to when I can do it. I, I have to be available a decent amount during normal business hours. Cause that's when a lot of people want to want to talk. But like, for instance, every year we go on vacation to, to Florida in April. And two of the last three years I went from like April 3rd to April 15th which if I worked in a traditional CPA firm, I could never do. But since I'm working remotely, I could, I could just do the same work I did from Florida. Okay. Do you have sort of a traditional, you know, mid-February to mid-April busy season and then, you know, August through October 15th? Or? Yeah, super busy from probably mid-January to mid-April and then slow down a little bit in the summers, pick up a little bit with some extension stuff in the fall and then probably have our slowest part from like November, December, and then pick back oh. up again in January. So sort of traditional then, but your location. A little bit. Is, yeah. You yeah. can, you can it, do it, it from anywhere. <laughs> exactly. And it, I would say it feels a little different than it did when I worked at a CPA firm. I'm trying to think of what, in what way the workflow feels different, but it, it definitely is a little bit different because it's, I don't even, I'm struggling to think of what's different, but it, it, it's a little bit of a different workflow than, than when I worked in a CPA firm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Do you, do you maintain an office or do you, do you have any employees? No employees. I actually have two other CPAs that work for me as contractors. One is currently traveling Nicaragua and one, I think she's in Connecticut. So they're, they're all over. I have an, an office assistant that's actually in the Philippines. So I, I work with them. I, I don't have, I have an office in my home. I actually just recently remodeled the basement so I could put a new office in my home, but yeah, no, nowhere else that I go to for an office. These contract CPAs, do you ever see them in person then? Never, never met them in person, no. <laughs> wow. How did you find them? Uh, so there's a site called Upwork. Are you, are you familiar with it? Upwork? Okay, no, but yeah. all right. It's basically where you can get on and find contractors. So you'll get on and post a project. Most people use it like if they're developing a website, they'll go on there and say, I need a website. And a bunch of people will go on and bid for it. So the, there's, there's tax people too. So people get on there and say, I need a tax return done. And CPAs that are on there will, will go on and bid on the job. So I just went on there and said, hey, I'm, I, I'm a CPA firm and I need some CPAs to do some work for me. And, and they kind of bid on it. And I interviewed some and, and chose them from there. 
That's interesting. I'm, I'm familiar with that kind of structure for finding a web developer, you know, an app developer or a virtual assistant, but I, I've never heard of using it for accounting help. That's hmm. yeah, and there's actually a lot of people making money on there doing taxes that way. So that that's an interesting place for if I were to if I had to start over, I, that's probably somewhere that I would start is is putting myself on a website like that and just looking for people looking to pick up tax work. Interesting. How, how long have y'all had that relationship? How long have you been working with these contractors? Patrick, my one has been with me for close to a year and a half now, maybe a little less than that, a little over a year. And Evelyn just came on about a month ago. Okay. So you've been doing this long enough to, to know it works well. Yeah. 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 With, with, with Patrick, I mean, there, there's some drawbacks. I mean, it, and there's drawbacks in the respect that any contractor relationship, there's drawbacks because you don't have control over them. So if, if they want to just go take two weeks off, then there's nothing I, I can't say, well, I'm not giving you that time off. It's basically, they just don't get work. So if I have immediate projects that need done and, and they're on vacation, I either have to do it myself or, or find something else. But for the most part, it's worked out very well. Okay. You know, what, what do you feel has led to your, I guess, more advanced understanding of, of technology and marketing? I mean, what, is it all through, you know, working, I guess, with John Dumas in that world? Or, I mean, were, were you always just sort of naturally interested in doing things more efficiently? Because you, you are more uh, up-to-date, I don't know if that's the right term, but then the many accountants I talk to, <laughs> at least, yeah. it sounds like. It's- What's funny is that I, I I wouldn't consider myself all that tech savvy. Like I don't I don't know how to use all the latest stuff. I'm not someone that it all comes naturally to. So I, I don't think it's it's a tech standpoint that that this makes it work. But I, I'm definitely comfortable. Actually, another thing. I think one thing is I I didn't work in public accounting long enough to say well this is the way things are done and this is the way it has to be done. I think if I'd have worked in a public accounting firm for 15 years, I probably would have thought well, there's no way a remote business will work because you have to do it face-to-face and you have to have employees that work in the same building as you. So you can't do that. So I think kind of, I guess, being naive a little bit to, to, to what's possible and what's not possible. I just tried things and some of them worked. Okay. Wow. That's a good point. You, you <laughs> to some extent, didn't know better. And so let's just try this. That, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what advice would you have for you know, individuals looking to start their practice that want to differentiate themselves like you have. Yeah. To me, the biggest thing, the biggest way a CPA can differentiate themselves is to be a good communicator and respond timely to people. I cannot tell you how many people come to us because their CPA takes four weeks to respond to an email or doesn't explain things in a way that the client can understand. So if you want to set yourself apart from, from other CPAs, give yourself a policy that unless there's extreme circumstances, you respond to every email within 48 hours. Even if it's just to say, hey, I got your email. Let me, I'm checking out a few things. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. But people don't want to wait four weeks, five weeks, two months for you to, to respond to a very simple question. And it's happening all the time. For some reason, CPAs, just a lot of them tend to suck at communicating. And the clients want to communicate this. The taxes are important to them. They're scared about the IRS. They're scared about how much they're going to owe in, in taxes. And they want someone that can break this down into ways they can understand and are going to respond to them in a timely manner. So how do you manage that during busy season? So busy season does get a little, little more tough. This year, it definitely was to the point that it, I had to have someone else helping me and, and not, had to have, bring on a second person because it was getting to the point that I had, I, I was hard to respond to people in that time frame. But to me, I just find a way. I, I prioritize the correspondence. 
So if I have to stop what I'm doing on a tax return to respond to five emails, that's what I'm going to do. Are there any tools that you use that help you be more responsive or help you more with scheduling your time in order to be able to get all this done? I have a scheduler that I use, so that, that makes it simple. I, for a while, that was a huge time constraint where you're trying to, someone wants to schedule a call with you and you're going back and forth forever. Well, Monday at noon works for me and they say, no, how about Tuesday at 11? No, how about Wednesday at three? So that was taking forever. So I finally got a calendar link. I think that's how you and me, you and I scheduled is I sent yeah. you the link. They find a time that works and all set up automatically. So that, that, that has definitely taken out some emails. But no, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm not all that tech savvy. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm sure there are things I'm not taking advantage of that I should be. I have a CRM, client relation management software that, that I put my other CPAs on. So when there's tasks, I can just assign them to them. I don't have to sit there and go back and forth and make sure that they're doing it. They, can, they know what's assigned to them. They know what the due date is. And then they can click a button and, and let me know when it's done. So that, that, that's helped a little bit, but that, that's one thing I'm trying to clean up as well is trying to figure out how to cut down. So if I have, if I assign my, my other CPA, Patrick, to a project, right now a time constraint is, okay, he does a project, then he sends it back to me, then he sends it back to the client. So we're trying to figure out a streamline a way where Patrick communicates with the client directly. And for the most part, they can cut me out of it. And that's been difficult because people hear me on the podcast, so they want to deal with me. So that, that, that has been a little bit of a challenge is, is getting people to buy into the brand CPM fire instead of just me, that I'm the one doing it. But it, it's getting there. That's something we're working on a little bit every day. Okay. Well, I think that's a natural growth issue for any organization that's any professional service organization that's trying to grow is, is when you do that handoff and, and how you do it so that the client doesn't feel like they're you know, not getting what they asked for and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a natural situation. Right. The workflow tool you were mentioning that you guys use, what is that? So it's called Insightly. It's one of the big ones for, for people who operate online. Basically, you, you put all your clients in there and then when a client has, I mean, there's, there's tons of uses that I don't even use, but the way we use it is anytime the client has a project that needs done, I'll tell my office assistant what it is. She'll go in there, assign it to the person it's assigned to, put a due date on it, and then Patrick or Evelyn, Evelyn will go in there, monitor it, and then when it's done, they'll, they'll click a button so I know it's done. Okay. And you use that even for your tax return scheduling? Yeah, time? absolutely. Tax returns, entity setups, anything we do, we, we, can, we can use that for. Interesting. Okay. I haven't heard of that before. I, I take it it's used for a lot of professions, not just the accounting profession. Yeah, I, I would guess it's, it's not ever used by an accounting profession. It's probably more for <laughs> like not more traditional businesses. But yeah, when I was in the CPA firm, I think we had something called like practice management or something similar to that. You can, someone just assigns it to you, you record your work and, and let them know when it's done. Okay. So you mentioned CPA on fire just a couple, about a minute ago when it, as part of your discussion there. Is that is that the future of the firm? Or are you branding more and more around that? That's our in- entire brand now. Our official name is JBB Business Solutions, but any time we're referred to, it's a CPM Fire. And I actually may even change the name totally to CPM Fire because that's just how everyone knows us now. But where we're going now, I'm, I'm actually in the process of... So right now, we, we don't offer any bookkeeping services. I've tried a few different times. It's been very hard to find the right help for bookkeeping. With CPAs, I've had great luck. Both the people I've hired have been awesome. With bookkeepers, it's been a mess. So I've backed off that, but I think I'm finally getting some partners on board here. I'm actually going to partner with a bookkeeping company 
And then the other thing is sales tax with all these e-commerce sellers. It opens up a huge issue with, with sales tax in several different states. So I'm going to partner with one of these big sales tax companies. And we're going to start offering a total, complete, full-service package to these e-commerce sellers where we will handle their bookkeeping. We're going to handle their sales tax. We'll handle the year-end taxes. Anything accounting, sales tax, bookkeeping-related we are going to handle for them. And they're just going to pay. It's going to be for, for more established ones. It's going to be a higher monthly rate. And it's, it's going to be the, the recurring revenue instead of just a one-time fee. Okay. Okay. Helps you level out your own income stream as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, you said basically 100% of your clients are, are in the e-commerce world or, or doing podcasts in, in the tech space. Is that 100% of our clients are, are what I'd call online-based entrepreneurs, meaning that their their entire business consists online. They don't have a some of them might have a physical location, but they wouldn't have to if they didn't want it. Didn't want to. But e-commerce is a big chunk of that. At this point, I'd, I'd guess maybe 60% of that is e-commerce sellers. I have a client that's really big in the Amazon selling space, and I was on his podcast. So that's kind of where that stemmed from. As soon as we're on that, we got a ton of e-commerce sellers. But yeah, that's, that's where we're going to focus this new service because they need these services so bad, especially the, the sales tax. So. Yeah, I suspect a lot of people get into that business and don't even realize there's sales tax implications initially. And do you find yourself responding to to audits, first contact with clients? <laughs> yeah, you know what the, the the sales tax thing. So here's the deal with that. A lot of people probably aren't that familiar with with how the Amazon selling works. But Amazon has a program called Amazon FBA, which is FBA stands for Fulfilled by Amazon. What that means is someone, let's say you wanted to start a business selling books on Amazon, whatever, you could be any product, but you don't want to handle inventory. You don't want to deal with any of that or shipping, anything. So Amazon has a program where you ship it, all of your inventory to Amazon, and then they fulfill the customer orders. They handle shipping, inventory management, everything. And in exchange for that, obviously they're going to charge you a fee. But what Amazon doesn't handle is the sales tax portion. And where this opens you up into trouble is Amazon has warehouses in up to 22 different states that they could can put your inventory in. And as soon as your inventory is in those states, the states can say, okay, now you have Nexus in our state. So we want a piece of the, we want sales tax on sales within this state. So all of a sudden these, these companies are liable for sales tax in up to 22 different states, no idea what they're doing. But to this point, the states haven't really figured out how or if they're going to go after people who aren't doing it because the majority of people aren't doing it. Mm, okay. So it's, it's a potential time bomb just waiting. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a mess and something, something big is going to happen with it at some point. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. What else do you feel like it would be important for a younger CPA that's thinking about going out on their own to know based on your experience? Uh, I mean, I would definitely say that you don't have to do the 10, 15, 20 years at a firm and then buy in as a partner. There, there's, if you want to do that, that's fine. But there's, there's other ways out there. And the other thing is, I felt like, I'm sure most people feel like, well, I can't go out on my own. I, I don't know enough. Like the, I have to go still ask my manager all these different tax questions. And the thing is, you don't have to know everything about everything. Like you can have, and I think it's even beneficial to have a certain niche that you know. So you don't, maybe you don't know how to do giant C corporations, but you could probably do schedule C's with your eyes closed. Maybe you start out specializing in that. Trust me, you can, if you've done schedule C's, you can go out and do that on your own. You don't need a partner or a tax manager telling you what's right or wrong on that. 
So don't feel like you need to know everything. Don't feel like you have to be an expert in every part of tax, have a niche that you know inside and out, and, and you can start from there and, and, and go jump out on your own. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I end every podcast with three questions. First of all, what's been your proudest moment? Proudest moment within my business? Yes. Okay. I'd, probably being on national TV with that morning show, like you said, that was a pretty cool moment. When was that, by the way? I, I saw it. I didn't catch. Was that like was, in the last year? It was actually almost exactly a year ago. It was right after the 4th of July last summer. All right. Well, I have to ask, how, how did you land that? <laughs> <laughs> that was someone, it's, it actually it comes back to the Amazon thing. A TV producer's mom started selling on Amazon. So she was listening to podcasts on Amazon and she had heard me on there. So she contacted her daughter, who was a TV producer for this show, and said, hey, I heard this CPA on here that explained this pretty well. You should have him on the show. So then she reached out to me, and it happened. Wow. <laughs> right place at the right time. That's good. Yep. Well, <laughs> secondly, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it. And, and we like the big mistakes. So the more colossal, the better. I'm trying to think. I, I, nothing gigantic. I wish I had something huge. The biggest ones, I, I don't know if I wish I did, but for this purpose, so I could give you something fun here, I wish I did. I think one, the biggest mistake I can remember, at least it was the most embarrassing, was someone pretty important in the online world had given me an introduction. Someone reached out to him and said, hey, I know that you recommended you speak highly of your CPA. Can you give me an introduction to him? So he copied me, blind copied me in on the email and said, hey, or just said, yeah, I'll, I'll, this is a CPA's name. But he didn't want the other person to know that he had blind copied me in. And I responded thinking I was just responding to one person and said, hey, awesome. Thanks for looping me in. Should I just wait for him to reach out to me since you blind copied me? And they both responded, uh, <laughs> you responded to both of us. So, And they're both pretty, pretty high, high level people in the online world. So it was pretty, that was definitely my most embarrassing moment. Yeah, that blind carbon copy is dangerous. <laughs> me. You know what I realized? Now, this could be a good tip for someone out there. Apparently, when I was responding from my phone app, it automatically replied all, even if I was just hitting a single reply. So lesson learned on that. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, okay, now I have to know, did you still get the client? I did. I did. He's still a client to this day, but it was, uh, it was pretty embarrassing. Beware. I'm going to have to put that as a subnote in the, the show notes. Beware of the BCC. <laughs> or maybe it's just my phone. I don't know, but look at it. <laughs> well, I like to, to end every podcast on a positive note. So what's the best advice you've ever received? I've, I've seen so much good advice from so many people along the way. I mean, to me, it, the best advice is, is always around risk-taking. Everyone who says, look, you've you got to take the risk. You've got to jump. You're not going to be ready. Go take the risk. John Dumas told me that on, from Entrepreneur on Fire when I was kind of, because I, I started working with him before I was all the way on my own when I was still working with the other guy. I was kind of asking him whether I should jump or, or wait a little longer. He's like, just take the risk, go for it. So whether it was from him or anyone else, anyone that's told me, take the risk, don't wait until you're fully ready, just go. That's, that's probably the best advice I've ever received. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, hey, Josh, thank you very much. I, yeah, I know this isn't a, a business development kind of podcast, so I, I really appreciate you being you know, so generous with your time to, to share it with our audience. No, it was fun doing a little bit of a different podcast where I didn't have to talk about what the right business entity is for you. So thanks for having <laughs> me on. 
Oh, yeah. Actually, hold on afterwards because I, I need some professional advice. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> no. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Like I alluded to in the intro, Josh is a little unique for the accounting industry. I'm not saying that his approach is right for everyone, but we all can definitely learn a little from Josh about positioning, branding, and just overall taking a risk in order to perhaps build something much better in the long run. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. This was episode 43. It's been about 10 months and we're at about 20,000 downloads overall. Thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to join in on our interviews each week with everyday heroes in the accounting profession. I hope you get something each and every week that helps you make your own career just that much better. If you haven't yet checked out our homepage, please visit us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's www.whereaccountantsgo.com for links to certification information and a job board for the Texas area. Also, please don't forget to share us with a friend. Hint, hint, hint. (laughs) We'll see you next week. There's much more to come.